Hey, thanks for being with us now. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd and smiling because Michael's throwing me the cue for me to begin speaking here. Just, you know, just point to me and I talk, Mike. Yeah, that, you, and you're so good at it. You're so good at it. I'm excited about this conversation coming up today with George Guthrie and yeah. Jenny Owens later, too. Yeah, yeah. two, two of my favorite people, two in, in their own areas, two of the most creative people. I know. Uh, George looks at scripture, and he's a scholar, you know, has all that, that, yeah. that background. But he brings that, it down to, to our level, I mean, my level. It, well, he engages at the level yeah. of the imagination right. in an incredible way. And then Jenny, in, in, in her world, in, in our world, uh, as a songwriter, does the same, the same thing, but in a, in, a, in a different world. Well, they'll both be with us in conversation yeah. here during this next hour. So really, thank you for listening, and thank you for reviewing this program online mm-hmm. at iTunes so others can learn about it. it it's very much appreciated. It helps it, us when you do that. It, it, really, it really does. Now, we've been talking about it for a while, and it's been out for a couple of months now, but the new book, Inexpressible, Hesed and the yeah. Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank the you. It's the book that broke my brain. <laughs> I bit off more than I could chew, Wayne. In what way? I, I was not, you know, uh, Bill Lane used to say, you should always work at the level of your own inadequacy mm-hmm. so that if God doesn't show up to help you, you will fail miserably. Okay, well, that so you were pushing the envelope? Yeah, I was working at the level of my own inadequacy. I'm not saying I'm not glad I did it, but I'm just saying it was it was a bigger task than... My little brain was uh, was up for. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'm glad been, it's out. Been a lot of great reviews. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of friends and. Yeah, my friends have, give yeah, yeah. give it great reviews. <laughs> I, know, I knew you were going to pick up on that. I, I really knew it. And along with the book, of course, the CD to the kindness yeah. of God. Yeah, which which is going to be my last. 10-song CD. Yeah, I, you but, said that on Facebook one time, yeah. and somebody said, "Really, Mike? Really?" Yeah. The day of the day of 10-song CDs is over. Uh, people don't even listen to whole songs anymore, much ten, much less ten <laughs> songs on one theme. So I'm 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 not saying I'm not going to stop writing songs, but well, never I really say think, never. Yeah, but I think well, obviously if you you stop writing songs when the Lord stops giving you songs. But um, yeah, I think this is the last time there's going to be ten songs on a theme, and I, I'm glad in in a way that this is sort of the closing one because it's it's on the 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 theme is the kindness of God, which I really. I think is the big surprise of the Hebrew Bible is mm. that God is kind. Yeah. Well, both the uh, book and the CD are available, of course, at michaelcard.com. And thank you for doing these. These are these are wonderful for us to read and to listen mm. to. So thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, later, Ginny, when Ginny Owens joins us, she co-wrote one of the songs on the CD. She, she? co-wrote two songs. Two songs, okay. Yeah. All she, right. Two, two wonderful Ginny Owens melodies, and then she also sings. She's the only other solo voice on the record. It's kind of, it's almost a... Jenny Owens, Mike Card record because she sings uh, two songs, uh, you know, verses and choruses and that sort of thing. So it's great well, to have. Just her. before we pick up the line and talk with George Guthrie, let's ask you to sing here. This is from a live performance here in the studio. Uh, Michael Card singing, of course, you know the song "Scandal On." The seers and the prophets had foretold it long ago. Long-awaited one would make men stumble But they were looking for a king to conquer and to kill Who'd have ever thought he'd be so meek and humble He will be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and lose their own soul path of life there lies this stubborn scandal on and all who come this way must be offended to some he is a barrier to others he's the way for all must know the scandal of believing he will be the truth that will offend them one and all a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall and many will be broken so that he can make them whole and many will be crushed and lose their own soul. It seems today the scandal on offends no one at all. For the image we present can be stepped over. Good 
could it be that we're like the others long ago? Will we ever learn that all who come must stumble? He will be the truth that will offend them one and all. A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And many will be broken so that he can make them whole. And many will be crushed and lose their own soul. Uh, that's a great start to our program here mm. today, Michael. I know you've always enjoyed our conversations through the years with Dr. George Guthrie. Yeah, George and I have been friends for uh, a long time through through mutual friends through Bill Lane. And uh, George has been the person, you. Uh, he's a scholar, and so when you have the really hard questions, he's the person that uh, you can go to. Well, he joins us via the Internet now, all the way from British Columbia, Vancouver. George, welcome. Oh, it's so good to be back with you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Wayne. Sounds like you're in the next room, but you're in uh, Vancouver. Tell us about the transition you've made. Yeah, um, we moved last May to uh, Regent College, which is in Vancouver, right on the edge of the University of British Columbia campus. Uh, amazing community of people. I mean, this this is an incredible graduate school of theology. They uh, always have oriented themselves to helping people from a wide variety of vocations in the world get advanced theological training. So. We have people here who are business people, lawyers, doctors, um, as well as people uh, training for ministry and for, for teaching in academic context. Uh, but, but the emphasis is on community. So we, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of an amazing context for me and Pat to live out mentoring grad students at this stage of our lives from around the world and then participating and sending them back to those contexts around the world. I know when you were at, at Union, uh, when my son was there, Will was there, uh, discipleship was uh, a big part of the, uh, your house, the way everything was set up, the, uh, and, and now you're, you're extending that uh, to region. You're going deeper with it. Yeah, that's right. Um, back in 2013, we were on a research leave in Cambridge, and we found ourselves in the middle of a bunch of grad students and their families and just walking with them and, you know, carrying their babies around the garden. And, mm. and in the midst of that, doing kind of integrating academic life and, and biblical studies with just doing life together, kind of Mike, what Bill used to do, you know, mm. with you and, and with me to, to a lesser extent. But um, the ground shifted under our feet when we came back from that trip. Um, and we started sensing that Maybe it was time, uh, not anything because of union, but maybe it was time for us to be in a context where we were living day in, day out with grad students and, um, and, and trying to have an impact on their life. So our plan is just for the next dozen years or so to walk with students, have them in our home all the time, and uh, try, to, try to help shape them in a way where they're integrated people and they can go back and, and advance the kingdom in their parts of the world. Okay, now, now, now on top of that big uh, shift, you also have a new uh, chronological Bible that you've done that's just come out with CSB. Talk about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that project. Uh, back uh, in around 2011, you know, you might remember that I participated with Lifeway in a uh, biblical literacy initiative, mm -hmm. and we had different tools that were related to that, and two of the tools were kind of a hardback chronological Bible, and then a thing called the Reader's Guide to the Bible, mm -hmm. which those are still available. But I wanted to do um, a, a project that would bring those two pieces together. So I started talking to Trevin Wax at uh, Brawlman and Holman, and they've done a really, really nice layout for a chronological Bible that has coaching at the beginning of each day. Mm. So the reader's guide part is me talking about at the beginning of the reading for the day, I say, okay, here's where we are in the story. Here's some things I want you to think about as you read this part of the story today. And it kind of uh, riffs on some of the main principles from my book, Read the Bible for Life. Mm. So if you're uh, about to read the story of David and Goliath, one of the things I may point out is... Um, you know, when we're reading Old Testament narrative, God's always the hero of the story. Hmm. So how do we how do we read this David and Goliath story with God as the hero? Uh, so as you're reading today, think about that. You hmm. know, so 
Um, it's a whole year. The thing is actually laid out uh, where it's not dated, so it doesn't start with January 1st. It starts with week one, reading one. Mm -hmm. There are six readings a week, uh, but if you wanted to spread it over two years, you could just do three of those readings a week, and that would spread it over two, two years. Mm -hmm. And um, so it has some flexibility to it, but large margins very readable and i really love the uh it's called leather touch i think it's kind of a faux leather but it's it's really nice i, lo I look like forward it. to seeing that i haven't seen that yet Mike. Oh, thanks for the it's, it's recommendation yeah. now that's on top of uh your work on hebrews and your work on second corinthians so uh <laughs> yeah well speaking yeah. of the word let's get into it now for a few minutes here we can't have george guthrie here and not open the bible together and, and speaking of second corinthians uh we wanted to talk about uh the new creation yeah Oh wow! Well, I tell you what. Let's let's start in Second Corinthians. Okay, that's a really good place to start. Okay, <laughs> um, there are only two passages in the New Testament which use the language of new creation. Now you have new creation all over the place, but there are only two passages. One of them is Second Corinthians five seventeen, which you'll remember says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm -hmm. The old has passed away. See, the new has come." Uh, now, actually. The, in the Greek text, it, it doesn't have those words, he is a. It just says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. Hmm. And uh, some people think that this, this actually is anticipating, you know, the new heavens and the new earth, the whole uh, shift and transformation of the created order. Um, I, I interpret it as that, that certainly is, uh, you know, the end goal of where all this is going. But the immediate context is uh, talking about the transformation of us as human beings in that light, you know, mm -hmm. in the in the bigger picture of what God is doing. So, uh, in that context specifically, Paul is dealing with false teachers who have come to Corinth. They're, they're, they play by their own set of rules. You mm -hmm. know, comparisons a big deal for them in terms of who gets to be the leader. Paul says, "Look, I don't play by your rules." Um, those rules that you guys are playing by, you false teachers, that's part of an old order. That's an old way of doing things. Mm -hmm. What I have to do with is new creation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's the transformation of people for a different kind of order of what God is doing in the world. Mm -hmm. So you have that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, and then the other one is uh, Galatians 6.15, which Paul there is also dealing with... Um, false teachers. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about circumcision. And he's saying that, it's, you know, circumcision um, doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't really mean anything. What counts is new creation. Mm -hmm. And again, he just uses those two words kind of tersely there. Um, but again, he's talking about the transformation of human beings and saying that, that this really ought to guide the way we think about life and the way we think about each other is we're part of something new that God is doing in the world. And our transformation is an anticipating a bigger transformation that's going to end in the transformation of the heavens and the earth. Now, does, it, does this kind of thinking, though, begin even with Jesus? Jesus doesn't talk so much about new creation, but it, he has this kind of old orthodoxy, new reality, uh, new wine, old wineskin kind of thing. Is that where that thinking begins? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I know where we're going with this, and that is, you know, Isaiah uh, yeah. is, is the backdrop of a lot of this. I've, I've been doing um, an advanced New Testament seminar this semester that I called Reverberation of Scripture in the Gospels. Oh, wow. So it's kind of the echoes that you have throughout the Gospels, uh, kind of playing off of Richard Hayes's yes. book uh, by that title, Echoes the in the Gospels, which is a, an amazing book. That you talked um, me into buying, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I forgot that. Yes, you did. Um, Thank you. But it's a it's been a wonderful, wonderful semester. And the thing that I've walked away from that seminar feeling is just awe at the saturation of the the gospels with all of these um, allusions to various places yeah. in the Old Testament, yeah. especially Isaiah. So like with Mark, um, a lot of people in scholarship will talk about the Isaianic substructure of what's going on in Mark, kind of launching right from the beginning with Isaiah 40, verse mm -hmm. 3, you know, there with John the Baptist. Right. 
But think about that imagery that's used even with John the Baptist uh, in the description of what's going on. Um, when a king came to your town, you went out and you you leveled out the road to make mm-hmm. sure that he wasn't going to be hitting potholes and bumps. Hmm. Uh, because you didn't want the king coming into your town upset. You know, if you think about hitting a road, even in our cars, you know, where we're dodging potholes and stuff, and we hit one, we think, oh, man, my car's out of alignment now. <laughs> it kind of puts you in a bad mood. Mm. Uh, well, you didn't want the king to be in a bad mood when he came to your town, so you went out and you, you shaved down the bumps and you filled in the potholes. And, uh, and that's the language that's used in Isaiah 40, but it's cosmic size. Mm-hmm. God's come into town so the mountains are going to be shaved down. The valleys are going to be filled in to make a smooth road when God comes to town. And someone in and, Jesus' words, someone in Jesus' world hears that, and they know that background, right? They understand yeah, that already. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, what Jesus uh, comes to do as God entering the world is to reclaim uh, this fallen world and to put things right so that uh, he's leading us in an exodus, if you will, out of this world mm-hmm. uh, and bringing us into his new creation. And uh, all the stuff that Jesus does, where he walks on the water, where he calms the storm, these passages are alluding to Old Testament passages yeah. where God does that stuff. Yeah. God's the only one that can speak to the, to the storm and it just hush. God's the only one that walks on the waves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so what Jesus is doing is he comes and he, he does nature miracles and he heals people and he transforms people's lives. He is putting things in motion in the world that are in anticipation of uh, God making all things new in the new heavens and the new earth. And of course, the key moment where that big transition ultimately takes place is the resurrection Mm -hmm. because in the resurrection you have the first the first fruits of newly created human beings that are are moving to a different level and it anticipates our resurrection where we will be fitted out to live in a new heaven and a new earth Mm. And so that all begins with that promise in Isaiah 65 I will create a new heaven and a new earth the past events will not be remembered or come to mind yeah, that's right. So he's just a, right. it's a continu it's a it's all one continuum. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um and that is the thing that has impressed me even in broader New Testament studies how much goes back to Isaiah. Hmm. I mean, we're just seeing how much Jesus and the early church were really oriented especially to Isaiah 40 through the end of the book. It's it's just beautiful what God is doing there. It's going to be fun to go read those reread those chapters now with that in mind. Thank you yeah. for that. And and this all comes together, of course, for us in what Revelation talks about. Well, I yeah. Mean, 21 is where, I mean, all this is sort of actualized, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, verse 1 of chapter 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There it is. So the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And you have the holy city, uh, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven and and God then is is living among us, mm. which I would suggest is the the big trajectory of the whole story of the Bible. You have God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, yeah. And and then uh, we we lose that. We get driven out of that presence. I think what God's doing with the tabernacle is He's reestablishing yes. that presence among us. Right. Right. It's Emmanuel. Um, that's right. It's God, his, God his, with us. His deepest yeah. desire is to be with us, to walk with Absolutely. us and be with us. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, you have Jesus coming and tabernacling with us. Mm. And this is all heading toward that uh, culmination at the end where, where things come all the way back around to God walking with us in a garden again mm. uh, in the new heavens and the new earth, which is just, it's just beautiful to think about. Yeah. Uh, the one who's seated on the throne in verse 5, is that God when he says, look, I'm making everything new? Yeah, I yeah. think I think so. Uh, but the thing that's interesting in Revelation is you have the Alpha and Omega referring to God the Father at points, and then at other times, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Well, that's, what I was, so the, that's what I was asking. I mean, who is that? Or is that even the right question to ask? Yeah, are you talking about in twenty one? Yeah, twenty one five. I, I don't. I, I don't 
actually remember, to tell you the truth, the, the immediate context there. It, it just says um, the one seated on the throne, so I, I assume that's God. Yeah, I think, I think that that's right. Um, but it's so, by that point, things are so integrated. Um, yeah. I mean, you do have the reference to God in verse 3. Yeah. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. So you could say God himself is with them. He will be their God. But you have it so integrated with the Father and the Son both being right there. Right. Well, in 6, uh, he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, like you said. Right. Yeah. Right. And again, that, that terminology is used both of the Father and the Son yeah. in Revelation throughout. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's God. It's probably God the Father and the Son are right yeah. there uh, in that text. I just love the triumph uh, in in his voice. Look, I'm making everything new. That's that's right. always meant a lot to me. That passage. That's our great hope. Yep. And don't we long for that? I yeah. mean, wow. We, yeah. Think of that, huh? Yeah. If if there's anything that's obvious in this world, it's not the way it should be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's and right. It, it needs to be made new. Yeah, we we didn't have space for this, but the um, the the quote from C.S. Lewis I thought about was. You know, this says something about how we ought to think about the people around us and the way we ought to treat the people around us. You, know, you remember C.S. Lewis's quote that you've never met an ordinary person. Mm. You've never never talked to a mere mortal. Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's just a great quote. Um, well, you always so. leave us wanting more. And that's what the word, <laughs> that's what the word does too, doesn't it, George? So thank yeah. you. Thank you for this relatively short conversation today. I hope we can talk again soon. I would love that. Thank you. And God bless you up there in Regent, pouring your lives into those uh, those lucky students. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, we love you guys. Uh, believe in what you're doing. So carry on. I uh, really appreciate you having me in today. Thanks. Dr. George Guthrie, professor of New Testament at Regent College in Vancouver. everyone to look up the story of that song. It's mm. really quite amazing. We won't go into it now, but I did an audiobook one time on uh-huh. the hymn stories, uh-huh. and the story of Come Thou Fount really, really moved me. So look that up online. It's readily available mm. just about anywhere. Just Google that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, we've had our commentary conversation today with George Guthrie, and we are going to have our creativity conversation with Ginny Owens here in a few moments. Let's talk about community for a few moments. Mm. We've yet to talk about some rather significant moves in your life. Well, it, it's it's appropriate to talk about community before we talk about creativity, because one thing that I've learned over the many years of doing this is that creativity comes out of community. And my friendship with Jenny is a great example. Okay. You, you, you don't just do creativity off by yourself struggling with the muse, which is sort of the popular image. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a process that uh, you, you, you come together, brothers and sisters come together. You're energized. Well, in the Renaissance, I mean, it, those were schools, Michelangelo and da Vinci and all those guys. There were groups of people encouraging each other to do that work. 
And uh, I, yeah, so I, I I don't know where the idea came from. Maybe I don't know enlightenment or something. <laughs> when uh, you, you're, it's just you and the muse, but mm-hmm. that is not how it works. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're struggling uh, to be creative, to write songs or poems or whatever, uh, walk with someone and talk with someone about your struggles. You have so many rich friendships. Uh, what what is going on in your your little community, your life these days? Well, I'm I'm sort of in transition. We we uh, we moved from the house where we lived for 35 years into an apartment. So, and that's been a good thing. Yeah, you say that so quickly. That had to be an incredible tough time. It it, it, it was a it, I won't say tough. I was I will say interesting because I, I went from you know 35 years of living where I'd look out the window and there's a herd of turkeys or there's a you know a a, a, du- uh, yeah. a, a, a buck or something like that <laughs> and now I look out the window and there are people walking their dogs because you moved into an apartment yeah for, for yeah the time. and I hear voices outside the window it used to be if I hear a voice outside the window it's <laughs> yeah, time to out. pick up the shotgun and you know you know run. so uh, that does take some getting used to but uh, but there had to be some tears. Uh, I I think I think there were it's it's more uh, sort of a long slow dull sort of you know uh, life is seasonal and there you know you you go through um, you go through different seasons so this is a different season for us and um, but but it's a good season I, I'm I I I like uh, I've always said I either want to live in town or farther out of town. I don't yeah. want to live in the suburb, and, yeah. and that's what we've done. We yeah. are right in town. You haven't changed communities. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, in a lot of ways, I'm closer to communities. It's easier for me to have coffee with the you know sort of what's left of the Empty Hands Fellowship. Uh, my brother Anthony Pickett and and uh, uh, Walter Amos and uh, Scott Rowley and those guys. We're much closer to each other now. Well, it's good to catch up. Yeah. And I'm, thanks for that. And, and uh, God bless you guys as you make this transition. Mike. Thank you. Well, we are coming up to the halfway point in the session. All this talk about community has me thinking about Michael's touring and conference ministry. When you visit michaelcard.com, check out when Michael will be in concert or leading a biblical imagination study in your area. Also online is more about the new CD project and book, Inexpressible, Hesed, and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. Find all the details at michaelcard.com. If this podcast is enriching your understanding of the Bible, please write a review or share the link for this podcast. We're thankful for those of you who take the time to spread the word about what you've discovered. Now, coming up in the second half, our conversation with singer-songwriter Ginny Owens here in the studio with Michael Carr. As you listen, I hope you will get in touch with us in the studio at michaelcard.com. I'm Wayne Shepherd here with Michael. And uh, Michael, we're going to ask you to sing the poem of your life here in a moment. And then Ginny Owens will join us. Talk about this song, though. Well, this is one of those kind of pointy-headed uh, fundamentalist uh, songs that I'm, I'm known for. It's Careful. A, well, it's a, well I'm, I say that proudly. <laughs> uh, it's a song that's based on one Greek word. That, that's what I'm, I'm teasing about. Poema. Uh, and the word is poema. And uh, it's, it's translated a number of different ways. Uh, when when uh, Paul says that we are God's artful creation, that's the word uh, poema. It's where we get our word poem from. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, in, 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 in trying to understand the, the place of creativity in your life and that we are God's artful creations— uh, it came up with this idea that your life is really a poem that God is writing, uh, and they're they're uh, darker parts and they're you know happier parts, but uh, w- our lives are being created by this uh, uh, this one who create who who spun the galaxies with his finger that sort of thing. So we are we are God's artful creation. We are His poema. I love that thought. Yeah. All right. Well, Michael sings that for us now here. A live performance in the studio from. A few years ago now, we recorded this with you, Michael, Mm -hmm. but it it plays so well. Poem of your life. One, two, three, one. Life 
life is a song we must sing with our days A poem with meaning more than words can say A painting with colors no rainbow can tell A lyric that rhymes either heaven or hell We are living letters that doubt desecrates We're the notes of the song of the chorus of faith and God shapes every second of our little lives And minds every minute as the universe waits by The pain and the longing, the joy and the moments of light Are the rhythm and rhyme, the free verse of the poem of life in the mirror and pray for the grace to tear off the mask see the art of your face and open your ear lids to hear the sweet song of each moment that passes and pray to prolong your time in the ball of the dance of your days your canvas of colors of moments ablaze with all that is holy with the joy and the strife with the rhythm and rhyme of the poem of your life with the rhythm and rhyme of the poem of your life the pain and the longing the joy and the moments of life are the rhythm and rhyme the free verse of the poem of life Poem of Your Life. Thank you, Michael. We don't often mention this, but all the music here is live performance music. That's correct. We don't allow you to bring a CD to the studio. Much to so. the irritation you know, <laughs> of me. Yeah. It's harder on you. Yeah. Well, it's so much easier to play the record because there's no mistakes on the record, but <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, guess who's on the line with us? Ginny Owens is on the line right now. Yeah. If we're going to talk about creativity, this is the person I think we need to talk to because uh, of, of all the musicians, of all the songwriters I've known for so many years, Jenny's the person who just can always access that part of her soul. And uh, she has that wonderful, youthful enthusiasm. If you got a song you can't finish it, she can always finish. So. <laughs> now we know Michael Card's mm. secret. Huh? Hey, Jenny, welcome. Wow, that's so kind. Yeah. I'm going to call you every time I need encouragement. Yeah, hey, do it. Do it. Yeah. Well, we, this so new, this new record, I had two two songs or her melodies, and then uh, she came and sang. She saved a couple of songs by singing. You know, they were weren't going well and she came in and fixed not them. true so uh they were going beautifully yeah well thanks for thanks for taking some time to to be with us jenny absolutely thanks for chatting with me we're going to hear a song that you guys co-wrote together in a few minutes uh the song is called come as you are do you want to talk about the song now or, or shall we wait well it's the it's the introductory song to the whole uh record it's a worship song and uh it's based on the the most uh sort of important formula of Hesed, which is the Lord is good and his Hesed endures forever. Mm-hmm. And and Jenny wrote the the melody and uh and actually started the started the lyric. It was a throwaway lyric, wasn't it, Jenny? It, it was, yeah. I, well it was I was reading I was reading the Hesed book at the time and it uh, the, so maybe it wasn't throwaway. I guess it wasn't throwaway, but it in my mind it was just kinda like, oh, this kind of feels like what part of what's being said here, but it was just kind of just came to me and just, you know, just recorded it along with the melody. So my, uh, my thought was really about the melody, not thinking that mm. lyric would actually work for us, but, but it did. For the non-songwriter here, what does, what does a throwaway mean? When someone's writing <laughs> music, they'll just sort of, sometimes they'll just hum, but sometimes they'll sing words and, uh, 
My problem is if you send me a, your music that has that, uh-huh. I, you can't get that out of your I head. I can't get it out of my head. Okay, I'm, I'm working on a song right now for John Reddick. He, 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 nothing can stop your love. Is this? He was just. It's this throwaway line that he's singing because it fits it. Well, I can't get away from that. <laughs> so, but, but that I think it's example. Jenny, her throwaway stuff is good. Wow. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, the throwaway stuff sometimes can be better because it's it's not thought out. Yeah, I tend to be an overthinker, so huh. sometimes throwaway stuff does end up, you know, being a good place to start. Yeah, and it it tends to fit with the with the music naturally. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah that is fair. Yeah. yeah. How did this all start for you, Jenny? How did creativity? Or yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, songwriting. <laughs> wow, you know, so we um, we got a piano. Our church was throwing out a piano when I was like two years old that uh, my parents said, we don't care if it has broken keys and doesn't quite work and is a little out of tune, we will take it and put it in our house. And so it came to live in our dining room, and I really fell in love with it and uh, started to pick out the songs that I was hearing at church and at preschool. And then my mom sent me to piano lessons. I think she got tired of hearing the same few songs over (laughs) and over again. And I really didn't enjoy piano lessons, even though I took them for 16 years. Wow. God has a sense of humor. Have I ever but met anyone I, who enjoyed piano lessons? I, I don't I don't know if I've ever met that person. You know, I think I have. I've met a few of them. Um, and they're, you know, usually prodigies. That, yeah, but it was not me. But, but what was really fun about the piano learning process was that when I was supposed to be practicing for my piano lessons, I would just my mind would kind of move to new melodies and I would start writing. So hmm. the first song I actually remember writing was when I was seven. Wow. Uh, and it was the first lines were, don't forget the water, don't forget the soap, don't forget the bathtub or you'll have to give up hope. Don't forget <laughs> Christ Jesus, he who cleansed your soul because he's the only one who can make you whole. So, you know. Um, Not bad know. for a seven-year-old. Well, how about that? Yeah. Well, I thought it, I was listening to lots of Amy Grant and Michael Card at the time. And yeah, I we, thought it when you were seven like years old. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, this is like, you know, when you first started. So Right, right, but, right. Um, <laughs> and but, that, yeah, so and, then. And that and, lyric was came from in, being inspired from hearing one of my songs. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Oh, both of you guys. I just thought it sounded just like your song, okay. but nobody else agreed in my family. So. Yeah. But you oh. know what, what What your story tells me, Jenny, is that we need to nurture children musically. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a, a very uh, important thing. And, and to give them the space to write silly lyrics and maybe not tell them that, I don't really think that lyric makes sense. You know, you can wait <laughs> till they're a little older to tell them that. Well, I, I think Calvin Searville told me one time that you always uh, give critical input at the level from which you receive. So if you're, you know, if your four-year-old draws a stick figure, you don't say, "Oh, the perspective is all wrong," and blah blah blah. You, you right. the criticism comes at the level that that the art comes from. And right. so, yeah, I think someone gives you a, a song. A seven-year-old gives you a song about being in the bathtub. You go, "Oh, then that's really good." Did you write that from, did you think of that in the bath while you're in the bathtub? Or, you know, that's the way to to engage with that. And how do you handle criticism today, Mike? Not well. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm not talking about criticism that's bad. I'm talking about, you know, creative input. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jenny, uh, what are you working on now? What am I working on now? Um, Let's see. You co-write with a lot of people. Yeah, I'm co-writing a lot, working on um, lots of new worship songs. Mostly right now, I'm working on finishing uh, papers in my first semester of seminary so that I don't fail. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. But doing lots of traveling and um, just writing, always writing um, or always trying to write. I feel like especially now that I am reading so many books, uh, I, writing and songwriting has become just even more of an important outlet. So I'm um, really glad that I have that. <laughs> and I'm writing a lot of Greek songs right now. Oh, fun. I can remember verbs and, <laughs> and prepositions. So, yeah, it's fun. So it's something you carry with you all the time, isn't it? It is. It is. I, sometimes I wish that it wasn't that way just because 
you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. It would be great to not always have a song in my head, but Mm -hmm. usually I wake up in the morning with some song in my head that I've either created or heard somewhere. Wow. A lot of times it's like, where did this come from? Whose song is this? Or why, you know, or, you know, some pop song that I heard during my workout. I'm like, I don't want to be singing that in my head. So (laughs) there's just always songs, always, always music on the brain Hmm. somewhere. Let's talk more about that process, Mike. Do you wake up with a song in your in your? No, head? that doesn't happen to me. I, I, it's much it's much uh, much more work. Um, and, <laughs> well, it's work for me too. But <laughs> well, well, I'm more of a words person anyway. I have to work at the at the melody. I think Jenny is music flows. I think with you uh, easier. I don't know where 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 yeah. are you in relations to words? Are words harder for you than the music? Words words are harder for me yeah. just to get them right because I have the same, you know sort of hope for my words that you do, which is that they would, you know, uh, say something yeah. powerful or just impactful and that, you know, people would learn from the songs. And so because of that, it does take a good bit of work for me to, to get the words. Don't, the don't right. you tend, don't you think it tends to be one way or the other with people? I know people that are good melody mm-hmm. people. I know people that are good word people. I don't, I can't think of anybody really who's, who's super at both. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, it's um, a left brain, right brain thing, I think. Right, absolutely. I'm sure the two of you encounter people that think, I, I can do what you're doing. If I really applied myself, I could do that. That's not sure. that hard. Well, <laughs> uh, do you have people send you songs? I do, I do. Oh, man, definitely. That's, you know, and I always encourage people to keep, to keep going. Um, yeah. I mean, if they think it's easy, great go do it, you know, um, more power to you. But usually what happens is people have the idea, you know, I've always, I always tell people when I'm teaching songwriting that the hardest part of songwriting is actually songwriting because, you know, you need Mm. to wash your hair or wash the dishes or go to work or just do anything that is, you know, I read, I think a tweet one time that said, if you want to uh, get your house clean, hire a bunch of writers that are on deadline (laughs) (laughs) because you just put it off, you know? So the idea of being able to do it and actually doing it, I think are, are quite different. So, I mean, I've even found that for me, I I'm in a much better place to write songs if I'm actually writing something a little bit every day. Uh You know, if I'm actually doing a little bit of writing, putting my brain to forming words that go on a page, um, and so, yeah, when people send me songs, I always just say, you know, keep going and, um, you know, and just keep working at it. Just keep showing up to do it. Do you find that it gets easier or harder Do you develop techniques that make it easier? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think there are some techniques that make it easier, uh, like just knowing your process, I think. So for instance, um, because I do and, and have uh, maybe in the last five years co-written quite a bit more, mm-hmm. and I used to, in my early days of my career, I, I would co-write, but I did not enjoy it. I just dreaded it. And I think what I finally learned was to find people um, to co-write with that were okay with my co-writing process. Mm-hmm. And to realize for me, for instance, I am not probably going to be able to crank out a song in two hours. Yeah. It's not how my brain works, not how I think. Um, however, if I bring, you know, something to the table, maybe if there's two or three of us in the room, we can crank out a song in, in two or three hours. So I think I've just learned to, um, you know, if I'm writing a song with several people for myself or something I might record, I have to go in with a strong idea or several strong ideas. Um, because if I go in and say, well, what do you guys think? We're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just kind of knowing how the process works. And then, you know, I have also been able to learn, you know, if I've got to finish something, I just sit down and, and, you know, a lot, a couple of hours to it, you know, finish it. Um, so I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I wouldn't have felt like I could do that. I would have felt like, oh, I just, the inspiration has to hit. Yeah. No, I know you just, you just got to keep going. Yeah. You mentioned working out and an idea comes. How do you capture those ideas when you can't maybe write them down at that very moment? Do you, do you lose them? Do they stick with you? I know. I, I have about 3,000 voice memos on my <laughs> yeah. phone. Okay. So that's usually what I do or make a note, you know, that says something. 
some lyric if I can't write it down immediately. But but yeah, I'm always, especially on a plane or in some random place, if I have an idea, I'll just go sneak to the bathroom or something and sing it in my voice in my phone. <laughs> yeah, one of the first things you learn is you don't like wake up with this or you're going to sleep, you have this great idea and you think, oh, that's such a great idea. I'll remember it. The next morning you yeah, wake up it's and gone. It'll, it'll be gone. Yeah. yeah. Well. Totally. Well, let's talk about Come As You Are. Uh, Mike, how did this come about? I mean, did you know that you wanted to co-write the song, or how I, did you two get together on I, this? I needed a melody. I think, I think I'm think i remembering this correctly, and uh, and asked her to send me send me one. And uh, I think, uh, is that right? I mean, I think you know, that's right. It may, uh, yeah, well, you were telling me, I knew about the Hesed book, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about, I, I was like, oh, man. I I think I, this melody came to me, and I was like, I'm just going to see if he needs any melody. So I think at one point you probably did tell me you needed some, and then a couple months later, I I, I sent this one to you. So. Yeah. So she she had started it. Yeah. You didn't get in a room together and start from scratch. No, I I couldn't right. do that. I can't do that. I kill somebody if that if sit, sit a piano, and 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 also you you just feel like good your to idea, know, Mike. Thanks. Well, you feel like your idea sounds so stupid. Okay, how about this one? El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Isn't that stupid? Isn't that the dumbest <laughs> idea I've ever heard? I mean, just think. You struggle with that, Jenny? I mean, do you sit next to someone on the you know, piano bench and write a song? Not anymore. No, now I that couldn't I do that. Only the time, in the movies, now, huh? It's like, yeah, it's probably stupid, but I'm going for it anyway. So yeah, you go, yeah. You know? So, so finally, but that was my problem with co-writing forever, is I thought, oh my gosh, my ideas are stupid. Now yes. I'm like, yeah, they probably are, but we got if we don't throw out stupid ideas, we won't. Um, we won't get there. And I've also had enough experiences with people who felt free to throw out dumb ideas. But <laughs> it just kind of made me feel, okay, I can, I can do that. Your ideas aren't that dumb after all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. back to your question, though. But yeah. she, she gave me this melody. And uh, and she had, and like we said earlier, she had throwaway lyrics that were come as you are was what she sang a couple of times in the lyric. and. <laughs> And uh, it stuck, huh? Yeah, and it stuck. And but but the the melody was such that all these other phrases that were really important that the Lord is good, His mercy endures forever, they fit perfectly into this melody that she gave okay. me. Well, on the uh, the CD, you sing this with Jenny, right? But right. now we're going to hear you sing it because this is a live studio performance. Yeah, unfortunately, so. Jenny's not here to sing live uh, okay. along with me. Well, we will enjoy listening to this, and we'll enjoy listening to the CD as well. On, on the new CD on Hesse, Ginny Owens. Ginny, thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you guys. It's wonderful to chat with y'all. Let's hear Michael sing, Come As You Are. Come, come as you are, broken and scarred. Come leave your wilderness and come taste and see. Come and believe and bring your emptiness. Surrender your fear, it is safe, there is comfort here, and peace from the storm, if you're torn, there is wholeness here, for the Lord is good, and His mercy never ending, His love is everlasting, won't you come? Come, come and see, come and be free, and let your heart proclaim in all He has done, He has shown mercy and kindness. And be glad there is joy you have never had And a love that will stay That no one can ever take away For the Lord is good And His love is everlasting Oh, the Lord is good and his mercy never ending Oh, the Lord is good And his love is everlasting Oh, the Lord is good 
and His mercy never ending. Won't you come? Beautiful. And when you get the new CD to the kindness of God, you'll hear Michael sing that with Ginny. That's right. The co-writer of that. That's song. right. So come as you are. We have a couple minutes before we uh, wrap things up here today. It's been a rich, rich time together, mm. Michael. Yeah, it's, uh, some of my uh, favorite people, uh, to, mm. and it, it is. It's wonderful to get to um, hear people think out loud and mm-hmm. kind of follow their train of thought on these issues, on these uh, topics. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good time. Mm. George Guthrie is all the way up in British Columbia now, but uh, just to hear his voice uh, was extra special. I really, I didn't realize how much I missed him until I heard his voice. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but what he, a mind, huh? Yeah, what a mind, but what a heart. He's got he's this incredible, rare mixture of uh, a scholar with a pastor's heart. Bill Lane had that. Uh, John Long has that. I can I can think of a handful of uh, people who who have that unique combination. Yeah, love that. And of yeah. course, what more can we say than about Ginny than we've already said? We yeah. we love her. And how can we pray for you? Uh, for me, it's always pray for strength. Yeah, pray for strength um, and uh, and direction, but mostly strength. <laughs> I got plenty of direction. <laughs> not lacking for things to do. No, not lacking for things to do. But making decisions about what to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting up at four and catching the seven o'clock flights and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You just ask yourself, okay, how much longer am I supposed to do this? Oh, that's so glamorous to do that. Yeah, it You is. get to see the country yeah. and meet some people. and Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's glamorous <laughs> once you get there, but uh, getting there is not so glamorous. Right. And and I'm mindful of of those who are listening. We, we we've talked about creativity. We've talked about community. Um, I'm sure that there are people who are struggling with community or, or struggling with in the lack of community. There are people with creative gifts, uh, and it, it's a hard gift to bear. Don't know what to do with it. Don't know what to do with their work. The songs they've written, the poems they've written. There's no one to listen. Uh, and I, you know, I'm mindful uh, of that of those struggles. Good. Be encouraged, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up this session, I'd like to encourage you to send us questions and your insights gained. We look forward to reading your reactions to the conversations. And send us your song request and how Michael's music has affected your walk with Christ. You can reach us several ways. Send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook when you search for Michael Card. We're hearing from people who are learning from Michael's new book and CD project, Find out how to order your copy of Inexpressible, Hesed, and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness when you stop by michaelcard.com. We're thankful for each of you who has posted a review of this podcast. Stay in touch and stay current in iTunes or Google Play. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Ashley Smith, Lance Mansfield, Jeff Jones, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time in the studio with Michael Card. Michael Card.